a very warm and convivial welcome to Nick and Russ Don't Know Anything. Although, as you'll soon discover, they do apparently have an opinion about everything. This is the podcast that believes that opinions are, in fact, facts, and reality stars should certainly not be president. This is also the podcast that features those two simple-minded guys who created the slogan, Spread Your Love, But Lawfully. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for Nick and Russ Don't Know Anything, the podcast. I'll get it. Oh. <laughs> oh. Hi, Mr. Heckles. You're doing it again. Doing We're not doing anything. We're, we're just sitting around talking quietly. I can hear you through the ceiling. My cats can't sleep. You don't even have cats. I could have cats. Goodbye, Mr. Heckles. We'll try to keep it down. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Nick and Russ Don't Know Anything podcast. Nick is usually here, and he will be joining us shortly, uh, and there's a reason why that is. And I am Russ. Uh, The reason why Nick is not here just yet is because I goofed on time zones, and Nick had to travel for a little bit. But he will, like I said, he'll be joining us shortly. But today is our 25th episode, and we have a very special guest from film and TV. You may have seen him on shows like Friends. Seinfeld, and even Breaking Bad. He was in movies uh, from the 1979 uh, Escape from Alcatraz, The Jerk, Billy Madison. It's Mr. Larry Hankin. Welcome, Mr. Hankin. Well, thank you very much for having me. And welcome to my place. Yes, I love that. I love the, uh, we're going to dive into that, the paintings in the background. So let's just start off. You know, you have a wonderful reputation. I've gone through your IMDP page, your, uh, your, even your website, just to come over the, some of the stuff that maybe I have not, uh, gotten to see you in. I know you right off the bat from being Mr. Heckles and from the friends. And we were just talking about that before and how, uh, I told, like there was a Reddit, uh, fan little theory that Mr. Heckles was killed off because in the episode you talk about how you have a dinner guest and then moments later, Mr. Heckles is killed or not killed dies. But this Reddit fan said that Mr. Heckles was killed by his dinner guest. So I well, thought that was interesting. Uh, maybe it was a, maybe it was a Russian uh, injection of some sort of nerve, uh, something. I don't know. He had a heart attack. Is what he had a heart attack. All right. <laughs> he had a heart attack. Um, now, I had nothing to do with this, Mr. Heckle's death. I mean, and it was a sad moment for me uh, because I had done five. And you know the, the, the trick about five, between five and six? Do you know that difference? There's a difference in television between doing five shows and six shows. <laughs> and... The difference is a couple of hundred thousand dollars. Oh. Uh, yeah, I don't know if it was a hundred thousand. It, it, it's a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. You can put a down payment on the house. But uh, I had done five shows uh, and I had done four shows and I was uh, just sitting around not doing anything. And I got a call and I said, hey, I got good news and bad news. And I go, okay, what's, what, what's the good news? The good news is you got your fifth show for... Uh, uh, friends. I thought, oh, great. Five. I need one more. Uh, you know, 
one more and I'm six. And that gives you a bump up and raise. You, you go from being a one-off to being a recurring. Uh-huh. A recurring is you can put a down payment on the house. So I'm talking to my agent and he says, you know, the, here's the good news. The good news is, oh, there's Nick. Hey, Nick and Russ. Okay, uh-huh. we're all in now. Uh, so the the good news is that you you got the show and I'm already putting a down payment on the house because I got the fifth one. If you got five, you're going to get six. I mean, that that's just a natural supposition. That's the natural way nature goes. So I got five. So I'm putting a down payment on the house as he's talking to me. And he's saying, and I'm saying, yeah, well, what could be the bad news? He said, you have a heart attack and you die. <gasps> no! And my head just... So here's the, the, the reality of my time frame. Within 10 seconds, okay, you got the fifth one, down payment on the house. What's the bad news? You die in that they took away my house. That's, mm-hmm. That was all I know is I had a house and they took it away. That's all, that's all that imprinted in my brain. Okay, I hang up the phone. I deal with my day. Three days later, I show up for rehearsal for the fifth show. And I didn't know it, but I had kept that anger from the phone call. And I didn't know about it. Now, I have an attitude problem. I had an attitude problem. I've been working on it. I I had an attitude problem. So afterwards, it didn't surprise me. But I went to the rehearsal. And little did I know that the rehearsal was the first rehearsal of the new season, which is, in their terms, a celebration. So it wasn't on a rehearsal stage. It was in a celebration room, you know, with the little cocktail tables. You know, you stand Mm -hmm. around with your drink. There was about, I don't know, 25 or 30 of these cocktail tables. And there was about 100 people in the room, you know, all celebrating the new Friends season opening. I didn't see any of that. I walked into a full room of these people. Oh, that people had suits. There was producers. There was other stars from other shows. It was a big thing. I didn't know any of that. I'm just walking in, and I just see the three producers standing at one of these little cocktail tables, luckily all alone, just the three of them talking. And the other, you know, babbling, babbling, babbling. I just went right to them. And I just, out of nowhere, I just walked up to them and said, what did you do, man? What did you do? Why did you kill me? I mean, uh, Mr. Heckles. You know, I had ownership. Why did you kill him? Why did you kill him? And the room, all of a sudden, the room just went quiet, man. And boom, everybody's looking at me. And the female, those two males and the female is the producers that... And she, they were startled. They were stunned, as everybody else was. And she just leaned forward and said, could we perhaps talk about this a little later, Larry? <laughs> just woke me up. It was the most stunning thing that you could say to me. If she shouted at me, I would have shouted right back. That's right. And I just woke up, and I go, and I looked around, and I go, right, Okay. And I just turned around and I walked to the craft service table, you know, and, and this is a celebration set. They had uh, the salmon, you know, and lox and bagels and bacon and sausage and everything. And everybody at the craft service table just split, man. They just walked away. I was like, Moses, Moses parting the sea? I don't know. I just... <laughs> And I just stood there and I was in shock now from what I had just 
Larry, man, and I, and I'm I'm wondering what to do. Take a sausage, make a sandwich, have a cup of coffee, and this little teenage kid walks up to me. I guess he was a son of one of the producers or something like that. And he walks up and he just stands there. And I look at him and he looks at me and he goes, "Dude, that was so cool." <laughs> <laughs> thank, I, God, I, thank God there was somebody who understood. Yeah. Hey, Nick, uh, yeah. how you doing? What's up? I think he's still there. You Can you hear him? Now, I, it's just been a crazy time. But oh, okay. To, because of this hour thing, so here's the situation. My husband was like already in the room, so we were like going to do the show, and then I was going to leave. But the thing is, is that the extra hour added like an extra thing, and of course, on my way. It's a 25-minute drive from my apartment to the uh, to my sister's house. And, of course, we got into – there was a car accident. They had body bags and whatever. It was kind of bad. So, of course, it took 45 minutes versus 25 minutes. And then, you know, that created – Oh, you're all thrown off, man. Your timing is all off. I know. It's horrible. But oh, it's, it's my fault. It's my fault. Yeah. Time zone. Time zones are my – Time zones are my kryptonite. Uh, the, uh, it's uh, the, the Pacific time and the Midwest time and the New York yeah. time, and it's all of that. And then so he's got you're, green you're right, time. You're, you're right in the midst of, of, of friends here. Yeah, it's cool. Yes. But you have to move closer to the mic, doesn't he? Can you hear him? I can't hear him too well. You can't hear me that well? Or? Oh, there, there that's better. There that's better. Well, move the mic closer to you. You know, Whatever. Whatever. Cool. Anyway, you're going to see me like this, I guess. Anyway, so let's be... <laughs> So that's the story I saw of your Heckles, anyway. I saw, I went on your website and uh, the real Larry. I can't hear you. Uh, Nick, he can't hear you. Uh, we're going to, yeah, I, I, uh, we're going to dive into his uh, artwork uh, here soon. Yeah. Um, okay, cool. So we, I was talking to, to uh, Mr. Hankin before we went on that you guys share Chicago because he got his start basically on uh, Second City. Uh, yeah, I well, I was only there for I think a, a year before I was uh, let go. I wasn't fired. I was okay. Um, or killed off. Know, what happened was, uh, is there an? Let's see. Um, what's what's his name? Um, wow, I've forgotten his name now. But I was in Second City. Mm -hmm. uh, I was hired from. Uh, I, I was uh, doing the uh, out of town show in St. Louis, Missouri. You know, I work working. It was like a rehearsal. So we were there and we were held over for a year. I was hired by Second City to go down to St. Louis to open a show there just for three months. And we were held over for a year. Uh, we were so good. Uh, but I just think people in St. Louis didn't know about improv, I think. you know. So it was uh, astounding to them that we could actually make stuff up. So uh, I went when I went up there, there was already five people in the in the cast, which is the the sweet spot for improv five five people and then um geez i can't remember his name but i went up there with another guy and he was the guy who invented who wrote wrote uh hee-haw you've heard of hee-haw right the the show i don't know if you have but he uh yeah yes. so we were we both were hired from st louis to go up there and be in the second city show and uh, so there was now there was seven seven or eight people in the show. And it's just too much. You, you can't do it. Uh, so we were let go. I hung around for about two weeks, just couch surfing in Chicago. So that's all I know about Chicago is couch surfing. Uh, and it was really freezing. Uh, what was it? The Hawk? Is that what it's the wind? Hawk? Uh, so that was coming in. 
there was a snowstorm and then I left. Uh, and I went to, no, I stayed there. And then Alan Meyerson, who was also a director for Second City, who also was let go. I don't know why. But he came through and he said, hey, man, are, are you working in here? Yes, yeah, still? And I go, no, I just let go a couple of days ago. Uh, me and another guy. There was too many people on stage. And we, you know, uh, last, last hired, first fired. So he said, well, okay, hop in. We're going to go and open up a show called uh, The Committee in San Francisco. And we're driving there. It was in the middle of a snowstorm. And he had a, um, a what do you call, uh, um, a wagon, you know, one of those wood paneled uh, things. Station uh, wagon. Station wagon. Mm -hmm. And it was piled high with uh, luggage and stuff. And the car was packed with adults and three children. Just packed. It was his, 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 his cast from New York. He drove through. He came from Second City in New York, driving through Chicago to pick me up. He, he knew that either I was working there or I was just let go. And he, and he wanted to get me in the company. See, and I, he said, hop in. And I looked in the car and I looked at, you know, and I was just hanging out at the bar at Second City. I, I wasn't packed or anything like that. So I said, you send me a ticket. I didn't believe them. You know, show business. You know, yeah, right. We're going to we're going to start a show in another city, just jump in the car. I said, no, I'm going back to New York. You send me a ticket to New York and I'll fly there because I don't believe you. Son of a gun, two weeks later, I got a ticket, you know, a plane ticket. And I flew there in, in a suit and everybody else was hippified. Everybody else was just hippies. Uh, it was uh, the 60s. And so I got rid of the suit. It was a wash and wear suit or something I picked up before I got on the plane. Uh, I think it was like $75 or something like that. I don't know. Uh, so I, I got there, we opened the show and we were a big, a big hit. So that's all I know about Chicago was just that little window of, you know, couch surfing and going to the show and mainly staying there. Cause I didn't know Chicago and the winter set in and then the hawk set in the wind, the hawk. And then Alan came and, took us to, to San Francisco where we remained. I remained for 10 years. It was, it was the greatest man. Improv is the greatest really is. I agree. I, I, I think I, it's uh, I've taken a few improv classes myself and have enjoyed it. I, uh, in college, I started off in theater. Oh, and, uh, cool, man. But, but you don't have to do anything. You don't even have to do homework. All you have to do is you do exercises three times a week for, for two hours, but that your day is free. You don't have any homework you don't have to rehearse. Just do the exercise and you come in, you take suggestions from the audience and they think it's magic. It's terrific. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. But the, the show I... closed. Oh, go ahead. No, no, no. Go ahead. The, the show closed because Hollywood, we're so close to Hollywood, it was only $35 round trip to fly from Hollywood to San Francisco back in the day. Mm -hmm. And it was much too expensive to fly to Chicago from Hollywood. And back, you know, to see the, their hit show. But we were, you know, they, we were from Second City. So that was the scuttlebutt down in L.A. So all the heavy hitters, all the green light people would fly up to see this big hit show in San Francisco for 35 bucks. And you can see the Golden Gate Bridge during the daytime. It was it was a trip. The, the, the weird thing was that if we flew down, because we were actors, we wanted to be in movies and stuff. But. When we flew down there or drove down there, I took a motorcycle down there once uh, to audition for stuff. We couldn't get in because it's, you know, you're an actor and they're big time. So y y it was really hard to get these uh, 
auditions. However, if we never left San Francisco and just stayed in the show, every person who we couldn't get in to see would fly up to see us in the show, to see the show, and there we were, right? So um, we had the best of both worlds. You know, the green light people. And so they would start hiring us until finally they hired the entire company. One at a time over a series of a year, we lost the entire opening company, including not me because I wouldn't I didn't want to go. I, I, I thought it was like face acting. <laughs> and he had to say other people's words, which was weird, man, after, you know, a couple of years of, of just improvising. So I didn't I think it was that hot, except the money was just incredible. You know, I was getting we were we were getting five hundred dollars a week and we were a hit show. You go down there for one week and you get like a thousand dollars or five thousand dollars or whatever, you know, whatever your part was. So finally, I, you know, and then the, the second and then uh, the committee closed. I was directing a couple of shows, but it wasn't it wasn't the same. I, I, I don't. I asked Alan Meyerson, the director, when he left, he said, you're going to, I'm leaving. They hired me, him, to go down there to direct TV. So I was left with a show to direct, to open. And I said, well, give me a hint. You know, what do you do? I mean, how do you get off? I mean, what's in it for you? Uh, You know, it's all made up. They're on the stage. They're taking suggestions. Well, what's in it for you? Uh, I sound like Trump. Uh, So, but he said, um, Well, what's in it for you is you know where the scene can go and you have to keep your mouth shut and you can't tell them anything. What you do is you pick exercises that will help them get to where you think the show, the the scene is going to go or where the scene can progress further, not not to where you want it to go. But his, um, his rule was very, very cool. His rule was, all improv, all improvs have a finite ending. Now, it's it's not that there's only one, what he's saying, but there's only several endings for each improv. If it goes to a point where you think there's something here, that there's, this scene's saying something. Mm-hmm. Once you see that as a director, it's hands off, okay? Because there's only about, and he's over periods of years he's worked this out there's only several ways that this scene can go and all you can do is help them get there and not tell them where it's going or where you want it to go for instance you'd say uh work with the objects a little more like say it's a robbery so you know the mm-hmm. money is an object gun is the money. so you're helping them you're pushing them just work with the objects well Right. It's going to be more robbery. So, okay. Or if it's in a kitchen thing, you say work with the objects. So you pot your pans, you, you know, your tables. And if it's a character thing, like you're a bus driver, you're riding a bus, you know, work with you where more. Where are you, where are you driving to? What is the – but you can't say this is what the scene is about. You, That's it. So it was very frustrating to me. And I opened the show and I did what he said. And it, it worked. You, you can sit out there. After they do the scene about five or six, you know, do it again t- tomorrow night in the improv section. Work on it. We're working on it. Do it again. Do it again. And you're sitting out there and then you see, oh, I see. Because I was an improviser. So I, you know, I could kind of project. So I'm sitting there going, oh, I see where this can go. It can either go that way or that way. But, mm, 
Mm-hmm. And I would try to figure out, you know, games that they could play to keep me interested and keep me going. But when I was interviewed, and the show opened and it was a success, but when they interviewed me as a director, not as a an improviser, they said, you know, what's the difference between being a director and being an improviser? And I said, the only difference is that as a director, I feel there's five improvisers between me and the audience. That's that's how I feel. I mean, I don't, I don't want to be a director. I want to be up there getting the laughs. So right. um, I, I finally left, and I went. I broke down, and I went down to Hollywood. And I couch surfed for a while. You know, all the all the other actors who were with me up in San Francisco, they were now making a lot of money. Howard Hesman was in WKRP and uh, Mel Stewart and you know, all of them. They were just doing well. So I couch surfed on there. Uh, Carl Gottlieb, who was in the show, had written Jaws. So, I mean, wow, you know, <laughs> from $500 a week <laughs> to, to Jaws. And he wrote the next two. So <laughs> he was doing fine. I couch surfed him when I came down here. He had a mansion by then. So uh, uh, he was one of the first to leave. So I, 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 I slept on his couch. Literally, I slept on his couch in his big living room. But, I, but his wife, Allison, who's a great lady, she's a wonderful lady, uh, very strict but very nice. Very <laughs> so uh, the rule was that I had to get uh, – I had to be up. I had to have the bed – the couch had to be cleaned and out of there by 9 o'clock because of guests. Right. Well, which I thought, okay, fine, you know. Uh, so I, I would get up at eight, you know, and fold up my blankets and everything, get out of there. So one day I, I, I'm, I'm there for two weeks, and um, two weeks is a very important couch surfing uh, uh, time timeline. Uh, I've heard that a lot, couch surfing. Mm-hmm. So two weeks, and then at, at eight o'clock, she, she shakes me. This is the first time she ever woke me up. Larry, 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 get up. What, what? Okay, you, you got to be out here by 9 o'clock. Yeah, I know. That's what I've been doing. Well, you know, okay, I got another hour. Just cool it, man. No, I'm serious. You have to be out of here by 9 o'clock. What do you mean out of here? Out of the living room? No, out of here, out of the house. Two weeks, that's it. I said you could stay here for two weeks, and that's it. You never told me to stay for two weeks. Yes, I did. You just didn't hear me. No, I didn't. Larry, get out of here by 9 o'clock. He's very strict, but very nice. You know, please. I go, okay. So I packed up. I have somebody else coming in. Yeah, that's what they were doing back then. Everybody had couch surfers. It was just crazy. And you had two weeks to, you know, in and out. Uh, Years later, I found the same thing. I was uh, invited up to uh, Bearsville uh, for uh, Bearsville. Yeah, Bearsville. Uh, 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 where Dylan was with the big pink and, and stuff like that. Uh, was, there was another name too, but Bearsville. Uh, and uh, I, I stayed at Dylan's manager's house because I was an opening act for all the rock and roll guys, the stand-up comedian back in the day. Yeah, they so, said that you were the uh, the next, or, or you were tagged or uh, coined as uh, Lenny Bruce type. Yeah. Exactly. Well, it was it was it was that in, in other venues, I was a filthy mouthed comedian. <laughs> so I don't know which I preferred, 
but but uh, all, all the opening acts, the the rock and the rock the rock bands and the folk singers were my friends because I would be opening with them in Greenwich Village and all over, you know, Ian and Sylvia and Tom Rush and uh, all those guys. So um, so I was, I was opening. So I was invited up to hang out w- with them in in uh, Bearsville, but I, there was another name for for all for what was going upstate there. Anyway, so I uh, I stayed at uh, and uh, Albert Grossman, who was the manager, he had a, a big mansion up there, and he had uh, what well, it was like a motel, but it mm-hmm. was like a guest house. But if, you know those motels that are all lined up; they're just like you know they're lined up. Then there's room here, 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 yeah. here, and they're just all the rooms are lined up next to one another, like a, in a line. That's what he had in his backyard. Well, his backyard was huge, but you know, so he had about like I don't know ten. Rooms like a motel mm-hmm. rooms, and he would just let the acts who would be passing through coming to New York wanted to visit, you know, and they would stay up. And he managed all of them, or he would, you know, let their opening acts or their friends stay there. And I was one of them. But two weeks go by, and right. I'm knocking on the door. Okay, Larry, two weeks, get out of here. Well, you know what? We had a question yeah, about you, you playing. I heard about a that. version of. We have a question about you playing Kramer essentially in Kramer as Kramer or a version of Kramer in Seinfeld. But let's answer that when we come back from our little break. It's about a minute and a half, so stay with us, and we'll be back with uh, Larry Hankin as he talks about cool. his life in Hollywood. All right. Okay. Hey, Cammy. Hey, Bryant. What do Robin Hood, Vlad the Impaler, and Mothman have in common? IDK. What? Well, they're all topics on our podcast, Mystery, where each week we discuss a new myth and the history behind it. That's Myth Story with an I-E. See you then. Ever get that light bulb over your head at midnight that just goes ding, if that's the sound a light bulb makes? Or any idea that you probably shouldn't post on social media, but the public definitely needs to know? Unless you're a vegetable, you probably do. That's why our panel of non-experts do it for you. Our seamless flow of humor to science and information will keep you engaged and wanting more. Side note, we even have our very own shaman. That's Psyche-Delic Podcast. All of our links are on Linktree. That's L-A-N-K-T-R dot E-E backslash the Psyche-Delic Podcast. Do you have an interest in the paranormal? Do you find joy in creepy things? Do you delight in terror? That's not going to work. My name is Ryan, and I am joined weekly by my friends Alex and Chad to dive deep into the stranger parts of life in an effort to understand more about the world we live in. Come listen to our podcast, That's Strange. You can find us in all of your podcast players. So go, listen, now, and please review. We'd really appreciate it. Welcome back. So we've got Larry Hankin, and this was the comment we had from Ian. Any stories about playing Kramer versus Kramer, in a sense, on Seinfeld? Kramer versus Kramer. Oh well, I mean, uh, well, you 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 being the the the, the, yeah, the Kramer uh, lookalike, the real Kramer. Okay, um, I um, I auditioned for it. Uh, oh, let me start this way. Michael Richards and I were friends. Way before Seinfeld, we were auditioning. We were actors, and we were auditioning for uh, everything together. I mean, not not together, but we would meet, you know, because we looked alike. <coughs> so 
we were, uh, <coughs> pardon me. <coughs> if you need to get some water, that's fine. Take, take a second and get some. Not COVID. It's not COVID. It's not COVID. Okay, good. Um, I'm glad. I don't want you to get COVID. Robert Patterson, he has, the new Batman's got COVID. Well, we were, we were friends. So when uh, they auditioned, um, like David, I auditioned for Kramer. I auditioned for Kramer in the beginning before Seinfeld was on. And so, you know, uh, and uh, Larry David thought that I was more like Kramer than uh, Michael Richards was. Uh, the reason was that the real Kramer uh, was kind of a laid-back hippie. Mm-hmm. And in my acting, uh, as far as humor, I go under. But Michael Richards goes over, and that was really good for, for TV. So when he got the role, uh, and I knew about it, I heard about it, I said, Fine, man. I mean, he's uh, no, I, I, I generally I, I watch the show to see who gets the role when I audition for something. I want to see who got it. And it always pisses me off. You know, that guy got the role over me. What the hell is going? I mean, I really get this. How, what, how unfair show business is. Uh, so, yeah, you have to drop that. But I, like I say, I have an attitude problem. So, okay, so um, uh, he got the role, and I was very happy for him. You know, I said, yeah, they got the right guy. Especially when I saw him coming in, in the door and stuff. I thought I could never come up with that stuff. I mean, he goes for that stuff. Mm-hmm. So, okay, fine. Then blah blah blah. Now we need an, an uh, Kramer. So Michael Richards suggested me, which was kind of nice, man. You know, so oh, Larry, we even uh, played. Um, we even played brothers together on a, on a, on a sitcom, uh, a restaurant sitcom. We played brothers who were going to rob, a, who did rob the restaurant. And it was really funny. Just a sidebar. I'll get back to the, the whole okay. thing about Kramer. But in, in the sitcom where we played brothers, we robbed the place. And that was really cool. Then there was a, a thing where we're escaping in a truck, in a, in a flatbed truck, uh, like a Ford flatbed. Mm-hmm. And so uh, it was a green screen on the stage. So we're driving and we have lines be- between us, but it was just us. So now we're not on a stage. There's, there's not, no, no audience. There's no stage. There's no crew. It's just me and him in a truck, a camera and the director and one other person, I guess. It just, so they left us alone for a little while. So we were saying, why don't you two rehearse while we set up? So everybody disappeared for a while. So we're talking, me and Michael Richards. And he's going, blah, 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 blah. And then he goes, so because he, he likes to, he's a control freak. <laughs> a lot of actors are, but on a stage, when you're rehearsing, it's a no-no. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't do that. I've tried it. You get, you get bad vibes immediately. You tell anybody, why don't you do that? Hey, man, you know, you do your scene, I'll do my scene, okay? Okay, so uh, he, he's giving me directions. And I go, no, no, well. I thought, oh, he's giving me directions. I'll give him directions. So then, no, why don't you do this? And I go, so we're trying to make the scene funnier by what he thinks is funny or what I think is funny, and they're not the same. So we're arguing about what's funny. So mm-hmm. to see two guys very seriously arguing about, no, no, this is funny. If I go like that and you say this, then that's funny. No, no, it's funnier if you say, yeah, but if you say that, then I can say this. Yeah, but then... No, then I, why would I say the, the, the next thing? And it just was like the most insane argument. Okay, that's the last I remember of Michael Richards. And then he says, hey, get Larry Hankin to do me in, in the show. 
So that's how I got the audition. But the audition was like totally weird because I was the only one who looked like Michael Richards. Mm-hmm. I mean, everybody else was either short or fat or bald or a full beard or looked like you or, you know, it just didn't, it didn't compute. And I thought, I got this. I got this, man. There's no way. And I had worked with Michael. So I kind of knew his, his staccato gestures and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Ha! You know? So, so he, uh, uh, after, so I auditioned five times, which is a, a, against SAG rules. You're supposed to get paid after three. And they didn't, but I wanted the part so much that I didn't open my mouth. But again, that that attitude, you know, I just why am I why am I not being paid? And then there was this bald guy in the in the audition room. It, it was just a hell of an audition. There was there was there was Costanza, there was Seinfeld, there was a director, and there was a producer, and then there was a bald guy. A, a bald. This is left and right. This is so weird, man. Uh, so there's a bald guy in there. And he didn't say anything. And they had me audition, you know, do the part, and blah, 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 and imitate, you know, the pillows and stuff like that. But then he didn't say anything until the end when they said, okay, thank you very much. This bald guy would go five times each time. At the end of the thing, he didn't say anything. he go, come in the door like Kramer. Okay, I mean, I understood. Sure, that's mm-hmm. part of the audition. I mean, but each time, and I never saw any of the other people go in the room because you're sitting in this room with six, seven other people, short, fat, bald, red hair, bald, and none of the other people go in, they would audition, and they'd come out and leave. None of them came out and went in the door again. So I'm thinking, okay, maybe I got this. But five times he never said anything that... So on the fifth time when I went out into the waiting room where this uh, receptionist is, just before I went back in, I closed the door and I go, hey, the fuck is that asshole man, the bald guy? He keeps on telling me to come in and out the door. Who is he? And she says, that's Larry David. He owns the show and he writes it. Oh. (laughs) Thank God, because I was going to rip him another a-hole. I didn't care. At this point, fuck Seinfeld. I, you know, I just had it up to here. <laughs> so I go in and he says, "Come on. yes, sir, man. You know, go in, come in, fine. So I, I got the job. So that was Larry David. So now I had him as an enemy. I mean, you know, now he had pissed me off. Okay, you're the you're you're the you're the man, so I'll be quiet, I'll be good. But I just held it. I, that's really weird. I hold it. I hold it. I don't do that anymore because it's bad. <laughs> but then I did. So now I show up on the set and I'm just waiting for him to just tell me something and I'm just going to open up because I got the job now. Mm-hmm. And sure, but but the weird thing is he was a different guy. He's he's he was Larry David, the guy we expect to be. He's really funny, man. He knows what is funny. And he would go in and he would, uh, to the stars, to Costanza, to, to the girl and to Seinfeld. He would go, uh, he didn't direct. It was, um, Tom was the director. He mm-hmm. would just stand by Tom. And if he saw something that he could add, you know, he would never stop you from acting or anything. But if he thought, oh, I got a funny idea, he would say, Tom, let me. And he would only to the, to the, to the regulars mm-hmm. and to Kramer. 
He would go in and he would say, bah, 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 bah. and then he'd go away. And then you would see what, what he just told him. And it would be funny. So the guy, and I thought, wow, man, I'm, the guy's right on. I, you know, and he had my sense of humor or I had his sense of humor. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. But, but here's the thing. I was starting to get jealous that he wasn't coming over to me and giving me any funny stuff. So I was, again, I was getting like hot under the collar. I was just really, really weird. But finally, he did come over to me. Now, my idea for Kramer, for the Kramer that I was acting, mm -hmm. was, was blank. I kind of thought that the Kramer I was playing, Tom Pepper, the, the, the actor role, was passive aggressive. That was, you know, like, don't, don't you know, it's about the, the pear and the fruit, no dried fruit. That was kind of a passive aggressive thing. So I thought, who? Buster Keaton. If I did just keep blank and do nothing and then but be angry through that, it would be funny, I thought, you know. So don't do anything. Okay. So I'm like, like this. And then finally, Larry David goes, I want to talk to Larry. Oh, he's gonna come over to me. So he comes over to me and he comes up really close and he goes, Um, I know what you're trying to do. And it was like challenging, like, you know, right in my face. I know what you're trying to do. You know, like, Ugh. so I, okay, boom. He gave me attitude. I'm going to give her attitude right back. So I just said, oh, really? What am I trying to do? And he goes, you're trying to do nothing. <laughs> Which was right the fuck on, man. So it just blew my mind. I wasn't ready for that. I, I wanted to get angry. And, and I said, oh, man, that's so, that's, you're right. Yes, I, I, I am. I'm trying to do nothing. Wow. Cool. And he goes, well, you're doing something. And he walked away. And I thought, that guy's cool. Now, that's a cool direction, man. That's awesome. One of the best. And, and so I, we did it again. And I thought, okay, I got to cool it, man. He's really paying attention. Mm -hmm. uh, I thought he was not, but he was. He was paying attention. So I do it again. And as soon as the scene is over, he starts walking towards me. And I go, oh, man, now what? But I thought, no, wait a minute. He's walking too fast. He's going to walk past me. He's walking. He's going to tell somebody else something. And as he passed me, he just goes, you're still doing something. <laughs> I just cool. I, so, man, I take it all back, Larry. He's fine. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, now, I, I, can I just add one, yeah, one yeah, sure. offer to that? Because mm -hmm. a couple of years later, everybody's talking to me and say, hey, you should be on uh, uh, Curb, you know, Curb Your Enthusiasm. Why aren't you? And, and boom, I, I got a, um, a call, you know, to come audition. Years before this, before I was even, when I was just flying down from, from San Francisco and the committee to, to do shows and flying back, I was on a pilot that uh, Jeff Garland had raised money to shoot a pilot. And he had hired me because he saw me in the committee. And I was in his show. It was just a pilot, never went anywhere. But I was being directed by Jeff Garland, who was the star of this pilot that he had gotten together and written. And he said to me after the show was, was over, his show, he said, hey, you're really funny. When I become famous and get my own show, you're going to be on it. Okay, that's boom. Okay, now cut to I'm going to the audition of Larry David's Curb Your Enthusiasm. And they don't give you a, a, a role. They don't give mm -hmm. you a side. They give you a piece of paper, a little piece of paper, and in it on is your intention. That's all. And it said, 
Larry David is getting on an elevator. You are getting off the elevator. They do that dance. That was it. Now, you know what the dance is, right? You know, oops, 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 you know, that, that thing. Okay, fine. So I, I, now I go to the audition, and this is Curb. Now Larry David is known as a genius because mm -hmm. Seinfeld and now Curb. So I'm going in to audition for a genius now. And it's a room full of 100 people. I mean, it's like a show, man. It's like, it's like there's a lot of producers, and there's Jeff Garland is there. And, I, and uh, yeah, okay, so it's all different. And it's just this little piece of paper, and it's a mime. You know, you just get up in front of a classroom, and they say, okay, you're in an elevator. You know, here's the door. Okay, and Larry gets Larry David gets on one side of the door, and I'm facing him on the other side, and we're just facing each other. And somebody over here says, "Okay," and the doors open and action, and we do this dance, you know, like I'm doing like that. Only I wouldn't let him get on. So I just I kept on doing this, and finally he goes, "Okay, that's it. All right, stop, stop, stop." And he's just walking around the rooms like, "All right, enough, enough. That's it." Okay, thank you. Thank you. It was just weird. And everybody in the room is confused and he's angry. And I just said, well, thank you very much. And I just left, you know. Okay. I don't know what, you know, do the dance. I was doing the dance. So I go out into the hall and I'm walking away. And here comes Jeff Garland, the guy who promised he would be, I would be on one of his shows if he became famous. And he comes running out and he goes, what did you do? What did you do? He's running down the hall. I said, I don't know, I auditioned. I don't know what you're talking about. And he goes, no, 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 you, you fought. You had a fight with Larry. Oh, God, what are you doing? I said, I didn't. I didn't let him on the elevator. I was doing the dance. I had a little piece of paper. I said, do the dance. What are you talking about? He said, no, no, you were arguing with him. Larry, I, I recommended you. I recommended you. Okay. And I didn't get the job. Cool. He says, no, no, no. And he turns around and he's walking back slowly, sitting his head. Oh, God, Larry. And he went, that's the last I heard of Larry David, a curb your enthusiasm. Aww. I mean, show business is weird to me. Do you blame me? I can't. Okay, that's my Larry David story. A lot of people know you recently uh, from Breaking Bad. And, and in honor of Breaking Bad, I did my Breaking Bad haircut. Uh, right. Oh, you look exactly like Brian Cranston. <laughs> and uh, I say, I say that. Well, it's my COVID cut, but it, it was twenty fifth. Uh, ears. I think his ears are a little bigger than yours. But other oh, than that, other yeah, than yeah. that, then maybe I could play his uh, his uh, 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 version. You know, like you did with uh, Michael Richards. I can be his. And Nick looks exactly like Aaron Paul. What a coincidence! <laughs> it's the reunion of El Camino. <laughs> So, yeah. So Breaking Bad, and you you played uh, old Joe, uh, and you, I was reading up how you. I think you said you based it on your uncle. Yeah, my uncle Murray. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that, that's the first. Uh, well, that's a throwback from to to improv. When we used to have a man on the street uh, uh, improvs, where we we we'd get a news suggestion from the audience, and then somebody would come up with a with a screwdriver in their hand, like this is a. Uh, one of these things. 
Mm-hmm. But he had a screwdriver. Yeah. And there was always a screwdriver. That was like the prop for man on the street. He'd come out with a screwdriver, and that was a microphone. And then we would come in and improvise. You know, they say, well, what do you think about the election? And then we would improvise what we thought about the election as characters. So that, that, that was it. Um, and uh, so uh, now, wait a minute. Why did I tell you that story about breaking Breaking Bad? Was that? Uh, that yes, was sir. It? Breaking Bad. You're, you're, you base it on your uncle. Oh, my uncle. Yeah. So I would always come out as my uncle, my, my uncle Murray. Because he was a New Yorker, and he always talked like this, and he always had opinions about stuff, and I could just do him because he babysat for me, and he was like my second father. I, I, I you know, when my parents went on vacation, I would stay at his house, you know, with his wife. So uh, I, I could do Murray just like that, you know. I'd been doing him on the stage for years. So when I auditioned, I auditioned as my uncle Murray, and the whole point, I, I guess, of it is that. It was the one of the only characters I've ever done as an actor where I had to do no harm work whatsoever. It was like an improv to me. It was like man on the street to me. It was when I read the, the role of old Joe, I said, oh, my God, this is my Uncle Murray. Because my Uncle Murray used to install oil burners for a living. So it was like a junkyard guy. He always dressed in that kind of, you know, mechanics uh, coveralls. Mm-hmm. And he always would come home greasy, full of grease and stuff as, uh, because of the oil and stuff. So I looked like Murray. As, as old Joe, I even looked like my uncle, you know, grown up now. Mm-hmm. He was when I was a little kid. So that was really an easy role for me. And and it, I guess it, it, uh, it, it echoed, you know, with, with, with fans because they really like old Joe, you know. Oh yeah. I'm, so uh, we we've got about ten or so minutes left, and I really want to talk about your art. So you you your website the the real LarryHankin.com. As we can see in the background, you That's have some amazing art. art. That's my art, and yeah, uh, uh, no, uh, okay. Oh, yeah. and there's my art. That there it yes, is. Yes, sir. So here, mm-hmm. That's cool. And then here's, yeah, this is the, that's the one that I'm wearing. Okay, so I'm going to stand up. I'll get a close-up of this. All right, hold on one sec. Let me pull that one, that, this one. There we go. Okay, so yeah, so that's awesome. Well, well, wait a minute. See, I'm, I'm, I'm wearing that shirt. See? I'm wearing yes. that, uh, that painting. Uh, yeah, because I have T-shirts. All I have forty-four paintings. They're they're all not li- like that. There's mm-hmm. there's dogs and and women and men and portraits and uh, there's just forty-four paintings, prints like that. They're all four by three. And here they are. Look, look at them all. Uh, yeah, it's amazing. Uh, so they're all T-shirts. Most of them are T-shirts. Or all eventually they'll all be made into T-shirts. Okay. They're, I, they're really cool. I think this, I'm going to scroll up. I think the hood in the hood is my favorite. The one that you're wearing wearing now. I'm wearing it. Uh, And I'm going to a party right after this. Only seven people. It's COVID approved. Uh, We're all wearing masks. But so I'm wearing this as a, uh, because uh, I I feel my t-shirts are um, uh, formal. They're formal t-shirts. Because the the, the woman and the the gentleman, the, the couple, the married couple, who own the house that mm-hmm. I'm going to. It's a, it's a big, huge house. And they collect art. So I'm going with art. I will be, you know, a, a walking art exhibit because they collect art. So I'll fit right in. But yeah, the realarryhankin.com. It's also got my uh, uh, videos. 
I make little comedy videos too. Mm-hmm. And uh, let me see how what, what happened. Oh, oh, I can bring it back. No, that's it. There you go. Here we go. Yeah. So no, I was yeah. Gonna, no, I was getting centered myself for, for this. Oh, okay. Uh, so yeah, so I got um, my uh, my bios on it. No, but my film shorts are on there. That the ones that I write and produce and are in. Uh, and and the T-shirts and the prints, the prints, the paintings, are five hundred dollars a piece. Some are three hundred, but I can't afford them, so that's why I make the T-shirts. So, no, these are these are the the film shorts. That's Sally's Diner right there. That oh, got wow. an Academy Award nomination. That one. Academy. But they're all pretty stuff. So yeah, I, that's my commercial. So yeah, if you want to check out his your website, it's therealarryhankin.com, right? Yeah, it's one word, therealarryhankin.com. There it is right there, therealarryhankin.com. Wow. I love I will, we call ourselves when on all our social medias, we're uh, real Nick and Russ. We we were kind of uh poking fun at like, you know, some of the Trumps that he had, he puts the real oh, Trumps. Wow. Holy cow. Wait, wait, look there. That is This the- one is about your about but do you know where you got that from or where that's from? I do. Uh, no, go ahead. That's from Second City. I was in Second City. And of all the pictures of people coming through Second City, that's the only picture of me that I can prove. And that's Del Close right there mm-hmm. uh, wearing the hat. Oh, and there's the committee. Holy cow. Maybe maybe that just went up on my website. I, I, this is so new. I haven't even seen this. That's great. excellent. Well, it's great. We're premiering your uh, your uh, updated website. That's yeah. Awesome. Well, I got a web, I got a web designer. I guess she she put those. She found that and put that up. That's really great. She, well, she's really good. Up. You should you should give her a raise. Uh, I, I think I will actually. No. Uh, her name is um, Mio Mio okay. She's great. Designer. Let's get her up there. Give her a raise. That sounds like a good yes. idea. So, okay. All right. Yeah. I, I enjoy looking at all your stuff. Is there, okay. So one of the things that we like to ask uh, as we wrap up, um, you know, we talked about a little bit of COVID. So is there any projects, like we always ask our guests, how has COVID affected you? Uh, and was there any like projects that had to get put on hold or will be, you'll be working on coming up because now that they're opening up more? Well, um, to, uh, uh, it's a yin and a yank. Uh, I was writing a screenplay when COVID hit. So I was like two, three weeks into the, into the writing, the really the, the, the nitty gritty. And when COVID hit, uh, I, I, you know, cause I got gray hair, you know, I'm susceptible. So I really sequestered in place, which helped me finish my screenplay. So that was a, that was a positive for, because I didn't, you know, no, no friends were calling. You know, everybody was sequestered. So I just wrote and wrote and wrote. And I finished the screenplay uh, about uh, a week ago. Uh, and then, uh, you know, you get postpartum. Uh, what is it called? Postpartum. Postpartum depression. Depression. Yeah, you get, uh, I think all pregnant women and artists, when they finish their pregnancy, get postpartum depression. It's. You know, you're useful, you're useful, you're working at, you know, you're, and then all of a sudden it's the rug is taken out from under you. You have nothing. It's not like, well, you go on to something else, you know, well, you have dinner with a friend and you go to a movie and then you go to sleep. No, it's rah, and you're dead. 
And uh, so I had to, I was very depressed for about a week. I really didn't know what to do with myself. But of course, what you have to do is you have to go sell it, which is another thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, instead, I started to read an old screenplay and I discovered it was really good. I should take it while I'm letting that ferment in a drawer for a little while, while I get over my depression. Let me send this to somebody, the, the, the old one. So I sent it out. And meanwhile, I came out of the depression and I sent the, the new script that I just COVID fixed, you know, and COVID wrote. And I sent that out. And both came back with very, very good um, reviews. Excellent reviews, as a matter of fact, uh, to be produced. However, wow. because it's COVID, nobody's I'm making it. So there's the downside. No, right. No. So, so what, what Hollywood is doing now is buying scripts and they're stacking them up. But even that is now over. I mean, they, they just... <laughs> Out, bought out. They they have no more money to spend on, mm-hmm. you know. So now they're just waiting f- for somehow. Um, most of them are going to other countries. That's what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know what they're doing with sitcoms. I don't know how they're. Some are just sequestering people in place for two weeks, like the crew and the and the and the actors. But that seems like a a, a weird thing. And I don't know if you can trust people. Because, you know, they're not sequestered in the same place. They're just saying, okay, you're hired. Now don't go anywhere for two weeks. Just stay in the house. Right. I don't know how that works. But it's slowing down production. That that I will tell you. So I'm sitting on these great scripts that I just got great reviews, you know, from festivals and stuff. And, you know, well, you know, I can't. We're not buying anything right now. It's really cool. You know, let's, uh, you know, I'll put it on, on hold. So it's 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 weird now in Hollywood. I guess it's weird everywhere. At least yeah, it's burning down. Weird times we have right now. Well, that some that's about the end of our epi- our uh, episode today. Our twenty fifth episode with Mister Larry Hankin. I want to greatly appreciate you for coming on. I'm so sorry for the time zone issue again. That's my oh, grip tonight. It happens all the time. And so, and I apologize to Nick, uh, my co-host, that uh, I, I messed with, no I messed him up. We, well, it's just that I, my husband wasn't willing to wait an extra hour, so. But I'm going to do that's a, well. Tell him it's I'm a, sorry as well. I, did, I have to have some marital bliss here too, you know. I got to yeah. run it. You got to drop the hammer, you know. <laughs> well, anyway, <laughs> thank you so much for coming on oh, the show. I really, actually, I really enjoyed. It. I was a good listener today. It was good. I listened to oh, everything because. I'm having audio issues as well on top of everything else, but I loved having you on the show. I love listening to your stories. And who was your favorite, by the way, on Friends? Just out of curiosity, quick. Who was my favorite on Friends? Yeah, Mr. Yeah, Heckle. That you were, Mr. Heckle. Him, himself. Yourself. The yes. oh, uh, oh, I'll tell you who I don't know. I think it's uh, who is the ditzy one? Uh, my gosh, my, no, Aniston? the book. The blonde one that's saying, I can't, I can't oh, believe Phoebe, I can't Phoebe, yes. I Lisa, can't Kudrow, Lisa Kudrow. Right. Lisa. Amazing. She's an awesome. amazing actress and comedian. Un- awesome. well, you know, with HBO yeah. being, uh, taking the rights to Friends, you're going to have a whole group of new people loving Mr. Heckles. Yep. Well, what do you mean? 
Uh, HBO acquired the rights to all of Friends, and they're going to stream it on their. Uh, oh wow! So there's oh more 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 fans now. Well, what mm -hmm. Yeah, now yeah. That you're going to get more residuals too. So life is good. More residuals. Right. Yeah, they're not that big on HBO. I think they're like dollar right. ninety nine or something like that. Oh wow! But right. uh, but but it's okay. It's uh, Mr. Heckles will never die, even yeah. though he's dead. Yes. Even though he's dead and may have been murdered. Yeah, <laughs> we love Mr. Heckles. We do. Well, thank you so much. I'm telling you right now. Somebody had it in yeah. for him. I'm telling you. Ooh, I think uh, it was that Joey. I think he did it. Maybe. Joey? No, yeah. Joey was my other favorite. I wrote a movie, oh, okay. him, but he became too famous too fast. So, <laughs> Oh, you just reminded me. The, the movie that I wrote for Joey, you know, way back when mm -hmm. Friends was really on the air, original. I wrote a movie for Joey, and... Uh, he turned it down because he had bigger offers. But I can re resurrect it. It's a really good show. Maybe there's another Joey out there. There you, know, you go. Yeah. It's a good idea. Thank All you. Right. All right. I'll, I'll, if I can and get out there, I'll audition for you. All right. Well, we <laughs> would love to have you back on in the future. Okay. Anytime you need a guest. Yes. A guest. Yes. Love call. it. Love it. So, Nick, if you want to let us uh, sign us off and I'll get ready for the so don't forget to spread the love lawfully. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, sir. Thank you for listening. And if you really okay. enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, follow, like, share, review, or even comment on whichever platform you're using. And remember, you can find more additional content at our YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram page. Just search for Real Nick and Russ. See you next episode. You dead. All right, Remy. You're dead. <laughs> and we're going to end it with Tom's. You're dead. Right, You're perfect. dead. I see. Hold on, Remy. Let me dead. end the broadcast. <laughs>